Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. I'm happy to be in church. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. And uh, we're going to be connecting with all of our campuses and, of course, continuing with everyone online. But I do want to say a big hi to every campus and every local, wherever you are joining us from. You're online. Great to have you connected. And I kind of feel stirred about the subject matter. I don't know about you. I'm not the kind of person who thinks much about eternity. In fact, I've always said, well, God, you know best, so I'm looking forward to it. But as I began to dig deeper, I began to discover, man, this is amazing what's in front of us. So we're going to really believe. I'm asking God to touch every one of our hearts and the Holy Spirit to move in such a way that He's going to penetrate through all of our filters and He's going to deposit something that we will not just take home, but we'll take into the rest of our lives. So I know we've been standing uh, you know, when you come to life, you don't need to go to the gym. You, you get up and you get down and you keep going. So I'm going to get you to stand. We're going to pray right across every campus, every lounge room, again, every local. You know, when you're sort of watching online, you feel uncomfortable doing this, but you should be bigger than that. We're honouring God. We're coming to His Word and we're going to pray. Holy Spirit, we thank You that You are in this place. You have given to us the ability to hear the Word of the Lord, not just with our human ears, but with our spiritual ears. We pray that You will deposit something that You will make clear what we need to hear and carry away from today. We pray for those we're standing next to, that Your blessing will be upon them. And we honour You. We thank You, Jesus, for coming and dying for us and rising again. We thank You, Father, for Your unconditional love that You've prepared for us. An incredible place called heaven. We honour You in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give someone a high five on the way down. Find your seat and God bless you. It's an amazing thing that across the globe and particularly in the church of Jesus, there's a lot of talk how there is a global shift. And prophetically, I've been saying to God, I've been saying, God, what is going on? And I feel like prophetically, God has said, we are moving into a brand new season. I do believe that there is a shift both here on the earth, there's a shift in the heavenlies and we are a lot closer to the end of time than we think we are. And the enemy is aware that time is getting short and so he is becoming even more proactive using things both personally and using things again globally to cause fear to rise up. But I want to encourage you that we should not be fearing the day. I want to encourage you today that we should be people that are not surprised by what is taking place around us because if you're a reader of God's Word, you'll discover the worst is yet to come. And you might say, why are you being negative? I'm just being real that the best is yet to come, but the worst is yet to come. And if we flip out because of the environment of our today and we don't go deeper into God, how will we ever survive what's coming on the earth? So we're going to go to a lot of Scripture, and I love preaching the Word of God, not just my perspective, and I want you to hear with fresh ears today. 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes in verse 1, but know this, the question is, as I share the Scripture, 
Ask yourself, do you really know this? But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. God, why is it so tough? God, why is this happening? God, what's just taking place in Florida is like, wow, never seen anything like that. But know that in the last days, perilous times will come. Why? Because men will be lovers of themselves. My world, my dreams, my future. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. You can't read through this list and not be challenged. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal even, despisers of good. Amazing how the media despises the good at the moment. Traitors, headstrong. Ever met a headstrong person? No, don't point. Whenever you find yourself being headstrong, dogmatic about something, just remember. Haughty, lovers of pleasure, pleasure rather than lovers of God. I felt like as I was reading that afresh this week that it's a picture of the world we're in. We have moved from seeking God's presence to now seeking pleasure. And pleasure on its own is a good thing, but when it becomes the priority, when pleasure priority takes presence priority, we're in a bad place. Goes on in the verse of, in verse five of chapter three, and he says, Paul, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And when you find that from such people turn away. When was the last time you were here at life and you heard, hey, there are some people you need to turn away from? But this is Bible, Bible. <laughs> this is Bible. That was another language just coming out right there. <laughs> it's kind of like, could it be that in the church and could it be in my life that I'm lacking a demonstration of the power of God because I've allowed some of these things to become my priority? Did you know that the enemy has got a plan and his plan is to instill fear, whether we're Christian or not, to create isolation, to focus our lives on things that don't really matter, become a distraction. He has a plan for us to foster reaction. And ultimately his plan is to produce division. As one of the spiritual dads in the kingdom, not because I chose to be, but God's asked me to be, and I've had to accept that. I look back over the COVID season and I think that's exactly what happened. How many people have opted out of church because they didn't like what took place? How many people have uprooted from where God has planted them and gone somewhere where God hasn't planted them? If God moves people on, God bless them. Get planted, get on with it, get moving. This is not like there is only one church you should be in, but people get up, go out. Why? Because they didn't like what was happening in a 10-week period. And for some of them, they even came across as saying, I've had 10,000 hours studying what COVID is really going to do. It's going to bring control. Hey, read the Bible. It told us that before. There's going to be more control. There's going to be worse things happen than we've ever experienced. But our focus is not on the things of this world. Our focus is on the fact that there is a God that rules eternity both past, present, and future. He's the God that is absolutely in control. And when we understand that, 
we're going to see a breakthrough in the power of God. It's just a revisiting of Y2K. How many Christians filled their baths with water? And even though they didn't like baked beans, they bought boxes of it. And so what's my response when the challenge of life comes? Is it to give in to fear or is it to fight fear? Not fight people, not fight decisions, not fight circumstances, but actually do what the Apostle Paul, who was someone who lived from eternity back, writes in Ephesians 6 and says, your fight is not for the current day circumstances. Your fight is not with what's happening in your body. Your fight is not what you're challenged with personally in your emotions. Your fight is not a flesh and blood, it's principalities and powers. And so therefore you just need to realize there's more to it than you've realized. And so we've got to fight fear. You know, if you talk to the early or first early New Testament Christians and said, what was it like in your day? They go, oh, you, you had nothing. We were imprisoned, we were stoned, we were violated, we saw everything take place, we went through it all. Even Paul the Apostle, how many love the Apostle Paul? What does he write about his life in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, He says, this is my life in labours, more abundant. In stripes, that's not just with a vivid. That's being whipped above measure in prisons more frequently. Going through deaths often. Mm. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's 39 if you're not good with math. Three times was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. How many would have a resume like this? I'm a Christian and this is what it cost me. Not only that, was I shipwrecked three times. A night and a day I spent in the deep crying out to God, where are you? And God left me. In pearl, uh, perils of robbers of my own countrymen, those closest to me, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren in the church. In weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst and fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And besides all of these things, what came upon me and comes upon me daily is my deep concern for the kingdom, to build the church. And you look at that as I've looked at it again and I say, oh God, I'm coming before you and I need to understand what I've never understood and I... I see in Paul that he lived differently to where I've lived most of my life. I've always loved you. I've always tried to follow your word. And when I failed, I've come back and I've repented. But I don't think I've lived really strongly from an eternal perspective. And we're dealing with the subject on eternity and talking about what it means. In fact, I've called this series and it may last a lot longer than two weeks. Pastor Luke's not here, so... I know you're down at the South, Pastor Luke. We love you and you are the senior pastor but I got the mic right now. <laughs> but I did talk to Pastor Luke and he says, I agree. He said, I think we need more on it. So we're going to look at sort of a phase two after these two weeks somewhere. 
But I wonder in the middle of what's going on, are we engaging eternity? It's like behind me on the screen, are we someone that is changing our perspective and like a telescope, we're looking beyond all of our now, beyond all of our humanity and we're focusing in that there is an eternity that we were actually created to exist in. You see, everything that Jesus taught, when you read what He taught, was taught from an eternity back perspective. When Paul talked about, hey, I've run my race, and he says, I'm, I'm striving, I'm leaving the past behind. Why? Because he was living from an eternity perspective. So he could in prison praise at midnight. So when he was stoned, he could say, well, God, he's allowing it. So God, he's in control. I'm gonna trust him. There's something bigger than that. Even Jesus brings all of the disciples together on a Sunday morning. And he says, I wanna teach you something. John 14 and verse one begins to give us insight. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Did you know that you are the caretaker of your own emotions? In a world that says it's not your fault, you don't have to take responsibility for what's going inside of you. Jesus taught the opposite. No, 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 because you have the power of a resurrected Christ on the inside. Don't you let your heart be troubled. Come on, COVID, don't let your heart be troubled. Yeah, but this is gonna end in that. Don't let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I wonder if we have a daily focus or an every season focus on eternity. Then Jesus taught in verse two, he says, my father's house, by the way, has many mansions. It's the place you were created to live in. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I'm gonna receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Look at that. As I've shared before, but it's very real for Marie and I, the last 12 months, it was 12 months ago, almost exactly when I had a push bike accident, tore my rotator cuff and lost my cognitive ability. So a specialist sent me in for a scan, discovered that I had three growths in my brain and my lungs, my liver, and adrenal glands was riddled with cancer. And on a phone call to me and the family, the first we heard of it was, you've got stage four terminal cancer, and in other words, you're gonna die from this cancer, no matter what happens. You look at times like that, and you go, okay. And since that time, we've had a lot of time to talk, pray, and go to God. And I've realized there are two possible outcomes. One is God is gonna step into the equation with medical science and I'm gonna be healed. By the way, at this stage, that's my preference. <laughs> but without, without going over the top, the reason for that is I believe because of having this and what I'm going through and learning, I can be more benefit to the kingdom by still being here. Because my preference would be in, be in eternity because that's what I was created for. Yet I'm not sure that we're there and I'm not sure that I have been fully there either. So I'm on this process. And so now I talk about 
hey, look, I could die. And yet at the same time, I'm under the master's plans, so I'm saying, God, whatever you want, because I want to be here, I'm asking to be around for my children's children's children, both spiritually and naturally. <laughs> and I've had Christians say, well, you, you can't talk about the fact that you might die. That's a lack of faith. No, our faith is in him. How can it be in an outcome in the world that we were never meant to live in? And I've learned this, a major learning. We see further in darkness than we do in light. We see the unseen, we get the telescope and we realise that God's got an eternal perspective to bring to us in the depths of our darkness. And so therefore we learn because we go deeper and we cry out to God and in that desperation, God begins to reveal a truth that maybe we've kind of believed, but now it begins to take root on the inside of us. We see further in darkness. Because when we're in light, we get distracted by everything else that's around us. So let me give you a couple of thoughts. If we are to engage eternity, then I think one of the things is we've got to understand that eternity will establish lasting completeness. Our search here in life is to find satisfaction, to find fulfillment. But the fact is, in life, the truth is all of us are in the middle of something that's incomplete. So we are looking for an answer and in the middle of that, we wonder why things happen. The truth is you and I are in a war zone, war zone that we were never created to be in. You go back to the Garden of Eden when the enemy was not in play. Then the enemy came and with life now comes death. Talk to somebody that's lived through a war themselves, been a soldier in the war. They'll open their shirt and they'll say, hey, here's the scar or I lost emotionally. My best buddy was shot just next to me. And here in Christendom, it's like, well, I'm believing we'll just have a life that's everything's perfect. No, there'll be scars. There'll be death. There'll be challenge. Because now, because there is an enemy, with life comes death. Comes challenge. Comes scarring. Comes things. But we've got to come to a fresh understanding that completeness awaits us in eternity. And when we're in eternity, there's no more searching. There's no more longing for fulfilment. There's no more, if I only had this, everything would be okay. No, there's a shift on the inside of who we are. And the enemy wants to use a misunderstanding to create within us a disappointment and a distraction. So therefore, we begin to look at the world more than we need to look at it. In fact, I think the less God we have, the more stuff we need. And the more stuff we get, we just go, well, that didn't do it. What's it? It's completeness that only comes in eternity. Because we get to the place that we were created to live. David understood it. Love David. You're with me in each campus online. David said in Psalm 39 and verse 4, Lord, would you make me? <laughs> like the phrasing. This is something I don't do naturally, but would you make me to know my end? When was the last time you said, God, let me know when I'm going to die? And could you tell me what the measure of my days are? Have I got a long life here on earth or is it a short life? Because you know all things. 
but do it so that I might know how frail I am. Yeah, you're not as strong as you think you are. You're not as control or in control as you think you are. That I may know how frail I am. You have made my days as a hand's breadth. Four fingers. That's my days. Four fingers, all I can see. All around me, see the globe. But my breath is but four fingers. <sighs> You have made my days as a hand's breath and my age is as nothing before you. Well, I understand an old person passing away. I, I don't understand a little child. Then you begin to ask yourself, well, how do you operate, God? If you don't create bad, but you allow in your sovereignty things to happen, how does that work? And it's at that point you begin to realize that Paul writes and David writes and Jesus taught from eternity back. And if you don't see your life as one that exists from eternity back, you'll get confused and derailed by what happens to you and around you. Paul's understanding of eternity in verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 4, for we do not lose heart, though our outward man is perishing, Yet our inward man is being renewed day by day, not month by month if we get to church and it works. That's the message. It's pretty quiet here. <laughs> then Paul, with all of his testimony for my light affliction, how are you coping with it, Paul? Well, God's in charge. There have been times where it's a heavy affliction and I've had to go back to God and see it as a light affliction. For my light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working in me a far more exceeding and excellent weight of glory. <laughs> Marie and I, early on in the piece, it's kind of like when you get the shock prognosis of something you didn't expect, it's like, God, what's this all about? Anyone ever been there? God, what's this about? And I distinctly remember the Holy Spirit saying to me clearly, Paul, this is not about you. This is about a bigger picture. That's been the foundation on which we've been able to walk through some of the hardest times, seizures. I've had more things taken out of me than I can remember. I don't know. I think I'm on 15 tablets. Doctors say, what tablets are you on? I don't even know what they are. I just pop them in. <laughs> Lost my... Right-hand peripheral vision, believing God for a miracle, but even when I read my notes, I can't see the right-hand side of the page. Does that matter? God, you can give it back, or if you don't, then it's something I can relate to other people that have gone through things. That, that doesn't give you an excuse to give up. And if this is going to unlock a greater revelation that I can live and then bring to others, it's worth it. We see further in the darkness because we go deeper than we do in the light. Paul writes in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 5, for we know that our earthly house is, this is a tent. Ever been tenty? Not good in a storm. That's a bit like our reaction. This tent is destroyed. Remember, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands. 
eternal in the heavens. We groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. I wonder when was the last time you just groaned to leave this life? And I've had to say, God, I, I haven't groaned. But I now go, man, I am so looking forward to eternity. It's the place of completeness. It's the place where death has no more say. Sickness has no more rule. And I think for some of us, we've got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Get the telescope out. And go, you know what? In light of eternity, what does this look like? Ecclesiastes 1 verse 14. I love this. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun. And indeed, all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Completeness has always been a destination called heaven, eternity. The second thought would be this, is if we engage eternity, eternity will bring clarity to confusion. Ever had some questions to God? Sure, should have them. I have plenty. It's like, God, why? Why does this happen? Or why did that happen? I remember bearing numbers of young children just prior to birth, after birth. And it's like, God, it just doesn't make sense. I've discovered that the enemy's, one of his major weapons is using unanswered questions. And so I've come to a realization now that eternity will bring clarity to confusion. And so there'll be a lot of things that we don't get before eternity. As I said, clarity over death issues. This is a war zone, as I said. And, and again, everything that God does is he responds from an eternal perspective. So therefore, is death death or is death just the freeing of a life we were never created to live in darkness and sin and enemy attack, is it not the gateway to the purpose of God that we were predestined for? So even when it comes to my funeral, if you are there blubbering away for the whole flipping time, I'm gonna jump down, special permission. <laughs> so one or two of you with an outgoing personality, get on this little coffin here, or if it's dust, I don't know what they're gonna do with my ashes. Anyway, if I have them or I'm in the coffin, you dance on that and do a hula or do something and just let them know. Now there's grieving and that's right. I'm not, I'm not playing with that. I'm just saying, come on, we have gotta stand back and get God's perspective. God works back from eternity. And so death is not the place where there is a sting. To those that understand, life works from eternity back as God works from eternity. And there is this place where most of us are living from our now forward rather than like God who responds from an eternal perspective, living eternity back. Some Christians are still dogged, dogged by living from their past. It's not even the current day circumstances. It's like, man, you know what? I, 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 I was abused as a kid. You've got to process that abuse, but you can't allow that to direct your life future. Get some help. Allow people to step in there and bring the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to break the stronghold of your past. Don't let the enemy use it as part of his attack on your life forever. Yes, we go through things. I remember talking to a pastor's wife. She told us her story, how that she was a victim of rape. 
Not her, but her, her mum. And her mum had a choice whether to abort or to carry. She made a decision to carry. Now what she carried, that dear little girl that was born in rape, now is a senior pastor's wife. Come on, we live from eternity back. What can God do with dust? He can create something that comes alive. He can create something that's new, something that's real. He's the God of greatness, even Ecclesiastes. Chapter three, verse 10. I have seen, said Solomon, the God-given task with which the sons of men, you and I are to be occupied. Remember, God has made everything beautiful. In earthly time, it doesn't say that. In its time. Also, he's put eternity in our hearts, except that no one can find out the work of God, what he does from beginning and end. In this natural life, you will never be able to answer some questions. Why did God allow that? Why do I have to go through that? It's like I'll leave that with God. He's sovereign. He knows best. He's the one that can take what the enemy doesn't or wants to use to destroy me. He can take it to cause me to see more. Used to play chess with my dad. I'd beat him sometimes, but he was pretty good. He said, Paul, the key to chess, if you want to become good at chess, and in fact, you talk to a chess master, they don't just play with what's on the board. They play in light of a potential seven moves in front. They've got a brain capacity to work out all of the equations as to what the opposition may do, seven moves, and have a response ready for that. And I think that God is allowing things to happen on the earth that he predicted in his word, not for us to fear, not for us to take flight, not for us to point the finger of judgment, think we know better. He's asking us to work from eternity back like he does, like Paul did, like David did. And go, you know what? It's okay. When you learn a little bit more about chess after you start, you're happy to see some of your even semi-key components taken for a bigger move. I reckon God's allowing things to happen to the church because he wants us to get ready for the end times. If we can't stand and be stable and be full of faith and not judge in COVID, how are we going to last what the book tells us is coming? You're getting really quiet in here, I hope. You're not going to sleep. Come on. I thank God. I've said this before. I, I wouldn't wish what I've gone through and Marie's gone through on anyone else, but I wouldn't change it for anything else. Because I see further now. And God is in the middle of that. Eternity will establish lasting completeness it also will bring clarity to confusion and the third one that I want to really draw to a conclusion today and we'll go on next week is eternity will involve one of two judgments and I may get a little quiet in here because I think by and large and maybe the keys could come I think we could even be guilty as a church sometimes of just saying hey it's all sweet you know just do what you want come as you are and God does. He never stops loving us and he always has his arms open to us no matter what we've been through, no matter what we've done or haven't done. So it's right, but eternity, when you read God's Word, if you believe God's Word, has one of two judgments. It wasn't that long ago I was watching Seven Sharp and one of the reporters 
talked about something, I think it was happening around Philal's time where he stood up for what he believed the Word of God to say. And, said, and they said, well, he said that, you know, if, if you're a sinner, you go to hell. Well, I'm a sinner, so I'm happy to go to hell. And I go, you don't really understand what that means. Hell's not party zone. And there are two judgments. There's a judgment for believers and there's a judgment for those that have never received the forgiveness of Jesus, non-believers. In fact, Romans 14.10 says, we shall all stand, no exceptions, before the judgment seat of Christ. There's a judgment to be made over every human being. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to God. And then each of us will be given account of himself. Wow. So one day I'm going to have to stand there and I don't stand there as Pastor Paul. I stand there as Paul Andrew de Jong, born the 2nd to 4th, 59. And God's going to say, what'd you do with your life? Two judgments. It's a big one. The judgments for believers is something that really challenges me because I got to understand this from a fear base, which I don't believe is the right base, but now from a faith base that every Christian, if you say I'm a Christian, you will be judged according to the kingdom investment and the kingdom seed that you have sown. You might go, yeah, but I thought heaven was gonna be a place if I'm born again, that there would be no regret. No, it's not a judgment that's gonna create regret. It's a judgment that's gonna create reward. If you watch the Olympics, you'll see there are three people that get the gold, silver, and bronze. But every Olympian, well, not everyone gets it tattooed, but many of them get the five rings tattooed somewhere on their body to say, I was an Olympian. And there's a sense of, I got to the Olympics. And I think heaven's gonna be like that. There's gonna be, all of us are not gonna be there with regret, but we are going to be there, some with reward, some without reward. So therefore, when it's like, well, the church just wants you to do this. Or, no, 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 we, we are here to invest. The people we work with, the people we live next to, our family, we're here to help get them to heaven. We're not just there just to play nothing games. And I believe that God is stirring the church up because that judgment is coming for every believer. You will stand and give an account of your life. So why did you do it? And it's like, well, you don't understand God. I was pretty busy. I think it's gonna feel fairly shallow when you're standing under the glory, the glory of God. In fact, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which was laid, 1 Corinthians 3, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation, so you're saved, but you build on the foundation with gold, with silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear for the day of the Lord will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. Fire will test which one's work of what sort it is. You see, all of us are called to do things that aren't comfortable. I'll never forget writing a book called God, Money and Me. 
because I felt like God say, the spirit of mammon has grabbed the church. The people are more interested in money and their possessions than they are about building the kingdom. And there was a fair bit of kickback from some quarters on that. But I got this incredible email the last 10 days, I think it was, from a guy in Tauranga who said, don't know if this will get to you, but Pastor Paul, I just read your book, God, Money and Me. I'm a 33-year-old man. I've just been sharing for the last five years. I've got seven children we're looking after with my wife. And I've been saying to God, I have a faith. I've been saying to God, how will we ever provide a foundation for them going forward? My wife walked into a second-hand store and saw a book with $2 for sale. And I, she liked the colour and liked the God, Money and Me title, so she bought it, brought it home. And I said, oh, yeah, I need to read that possibly. I'll put it by my bed. It stayed there for a week. Typical male. And then he said, I picked it up. And when I picked it up, I couldn't put it down. I read it from cover to cover. And it's given me a God pathway for finances. Every seed you sow. Then he said this. He said, look, $2? I feel guilty. I want to pay for the whole book. To which I said to Marie, we're going to send them all our books for free and just say, hey, we're here to support some way what you're doing. Every kingdom seed you sow has a profound eternal future. Well, I'm just living for me and nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, one day you will stand and give an account for that attitude if you're a believer. And then there are the non-believers. This is where it really gets challenging because the believer's judgment is based on reward, not regret. But then the non-believer's judgment is based on names that are actually written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Let me say a couple of things as the team come and join me. Did you know that good doesn't get into heaven? Yeah, but they were good people. Surely they'll get into heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches. If your name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life, it has to come through the sacrificial Lamb who was Jesus. You say, well, why would a loving God send people to hell for eternity? Because holy cannot mix with unholy. And there is only one answer to our sin and that's the forgiveness of Jesus. You can have any religion. Religion won't get you into heaven. Good won't get you into heaven. Sympathy won't get you into heaven. Yeah, but they're my friends and I don't think God would do that to them. Listen, God will judge based on the names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Even Thomas said to Jesus, you say, we know where you're going. We don't know where you're going. We don't know how this is going to work. And you know what Jesus said in verse 16? He says, I am the way. No other way. I'm the truth and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. Yeah, but they had good intentions. Good intentions don't get you into heaven. No way. You know, that's not normal acceptance in our society. The societal norm won't get you to heaven. Public acceptance won't get you to heaven. I know it's getting quiet in here, but I am committed to teach truth. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, and I saw the dead, says John, small and great, standing before God, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. 
And then verse 15, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into a lake of fire. God is holy. Hell will go for as long as eternity. And there is no changing your position at that point. While we have breath and life, we get to choose whether we become a God follower. And Jesus is our Lord and Saviour. And our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And that might sound harsh. Don't leave the room over the next period of time when we touch on eternity because I want to teach what I've just learned recently because I've never looked into how great eternity is going to be with God. It's going to be amazing. But you and your choice decide where you spend eternity. doesn't matter how bad you've been, God went to the cross to forgive you from sin. Everyone has the right of access, but they need to make a choice. And maybe today you're part of modern society that says you can do whatever you want. You sleep with anyone you want to. You can do whatever you like and it's all good. God's good. Everybody's doing it. God says, no, fornicators don't get in. Liars, habitual liars don't get in. It's time to get right with God. And when you fail, you come back to the cross. You live your life under the shadow of the cross. I've failed many times. I just come back to the cross. He is my saviour. I can't save myself. Is this helping somebody today? My greatest privilege is sharing my faith with people now. I've shared my faith from time to time, but because I'm in a different position, I'm seeing further. And I can't tell you the difference it's making with every, from top oncologists to flatmates in the hospital. I am here to help people get to eternity because the reality is whether you believe in it or not, one day you will bow and you will and I will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Can I pray for every person online, every auditorium? Can I pray for you if you go, you know what, Paul, if I'm honest, I'm not right with God. Get right with God. He's not looking for you to earn your way to heaven. He's looking for you to acknowledge your sin. And as he said to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more. Accept my forgiveness and then go and sin no more. If you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, doing more good works, being religious will not get you into heaven. Your name needs to be written in the Lamb's book of life. When you write your name there, you begin to understand what life is all about. On every head bowed, just for a moment. You're here in the auditorium, you're in each of the auditoriums. They're online and you say, you know what, Paul, I know I'm not right with God. One honest prayer changes everything. You can have your name written in that book. You can get right with God in one honest prayer. And if you're here today and you say, Paul, I know I need to get right with God. I want to give him my life. I've never given my life to him before or I'm away from God. And you say, Paul, I want to be included in this prayer. Just where you're seated, lift your hand. Come on, every auditorium, lift your hand up nice and high. See hands going up everywhere. Lift them up, lift them up. You just say, I know I need to get right with God. This must be the most exciting thing that can ever happen. It's not an embarrassing thing. If you get embarrassed in church, you're never gonna make it. It's kind of like, hey, we're here. There are dozens of hands here in Central. And I'm sure every campus, online, at home, even in your lounge room, no one's looking. God is, lift your hand. Just say, hey, that's me. And we're gonna pray this prayer together. Say, God, today, thank You that You died on a cross we're going to start that again because I want some more volume. 
Say, God, today, I wanna thank You that You died on a cross to save me, to forgive me, to give me assurance of eternal life. And today I put my life, my past, my present and my future into Your hands. Today I receive You in the Name of Jesus. Amen. Can we congratulate every person? Come on, really congratulate everybody online. We congratulate you in Jesus' Name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.